The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 3. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. May I have your attention, please? The announcement came in the pre-Christmas shopping craze in the department store. The Christmas music cut out and the announcement comes. May I have your attention, please? It seems we have two parents who have gotten lost. Please come find your children, Jimmy and Jane, so that they can find you. It's a funny story because we know it's a happy ending, but but have you been there before? Lost track of your child in a busy place? Or maybe you were the child? Just the the, the sheer terror and fear when when you turn around and look and mom and dad aren't there. Or or if it's your child who's gone missing. Even if it's for three seconds, right? Just the, the panic you feel until you're reunited. And then there's joy. And then there's the scolding. Don't ever do that again. We can sympathize. Because we know how that feels. Do you sympathize with Mary and Joseph in our gospel lesson this morning? They don't know where their son is for three days. And maybe you think, how could you do that, Mary and Joseph? this is Jesus. This is, this is the Messiah. This is the Holy One of Israel. You can't keep track of the kid. And what about Jesus? What are you doing, Jesus? Why would you put your parents through something like that to make them feel so anxious and afraid? Mary and Joseph were doing what every faithful Jew was to do. They were on their way back from the Passover celebration in Jerusalem back home to Nazareth. Every Jew would go to Jerusalem to celebrate that Passover. And for Mary and Joseph, this was a 65-mile journey they would do every year. And it was very common that you would carpool with some friends and relatives. Not to save gas, but, but 
have traveling companions on that long journey for conversation, for protection. And so it really wouldn't be that uncommon that if you're traveling 65 miles with a big group of people that you know really well, that the family is maybe not going to stay close together all the time. You know, the kids would sometimes go and run up further with their friends. You know, maybe they would hang back with the older folks who were just a little slower at the back of the group. But usually had nothing to worry about. And then put yourself in Mary and Joseph's position. Your son is Jesus. He's 12. He's never once sinned. He's never once been disobedient to them, given them any reason to worry. He was the perfect child. This is the Son of God in flesh. So you maybe can cut Mary and Joseph a little slack here this morning that they didn't realize that he wasn't there until that first night through their journey back to Nazareth. And it came to be night, and they started looking around and asking, have you seen Jesus? Was he traveling with you? When's the last time you saw him? And they quickly came to realize that he wasn't in their traveling party. And just imagine the sheer terror and anguish that overcame Joseph and Mary. We've lost Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Holy One of Israel. How could we do this? And then maybe it was even the thought of, how could Jesus do this to us? Three days. Three days they spend in Jerusalem looking for him. Maybe retracing their steps. Asking everybody that they could find. Have you seen a 12-year-old boy all by himself? And it's kind of interesting how it takes three days for them to actually go to the temple to look for Jesus there, and that's exactly where they find him. And what they find there astonishes them. It says in verse 46 of our text, After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his, at his understanding and his answers. A, a Jewish boy of the age of 12 would have already received some instruction in those Old Testament scriptures. It probably would be at the level of someone who's confirmation age for us in the Lutheran Church. Right? They, they've received some knowledge, some, some instruction, but they still have a lot to learn. But obviously Jesus is different. He's sitting among the teachers and he's listening to them, asking them questions, and they're amazed at the depth of his understanding and the answers that he's giving. These are the teachers of the Jews. These are those who know these scriptures backwards and forwards that have them memorized. I can quote chapter and verse. And they're amazed by this 12-year-old boy. I just imagined us sending one of our confirmands, our youth confirmands, up to our seminary in Wisconsin and, and gathering all of our seminary professors around them. Right, some, of the, some of the smartest men in, in our midst when it comes to the scriptures. And then being amazed by what our confirmand is saying to them and asking them and answering them. And then just think about Mary and Joseph. Here's their son, their 12-year-old son, sitting among 
these scholars. And who are they? They're just poor Galileans. Uh, these are people from this podunk town of Nazareth who, in the eyes of these Jewish religious leaders, would be someone they wouldn't even give a second of their time to, probably. But here's their 12-year-old boy amazing these men with his questions and answers. Well, first, they're astonished. They're shocked by what they're seeing, and then that wears off, and then they remember the fear that they've just been feeling for the last three days. And here, in verse 48, it says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. In the original language, it's really stronger what, what Mary says here to Jesus. It, really what she says is, you have caused us deep anguish and pain, and you're the cause of it. Accusatory. It's her tone. Now we know, we know that Jesus is not disobeying his parents here. We know that Jesus is not sinning against the fourth commandment. We know that Jesus never sinned, because it clearly says that in many other sections of Scripture, ones we already read this morning. And since we know the Word of God is true, that must be true. That he is not sinning here. He is not disobeying his parents. Jesus' response is interesting. He says, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you have to know that, or didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? It's interesting how this is the only account that we have about Jesus between the Magi coming to visit and then the subsequent fleeing to Egypt because of the edict of Herod that he's going to call all the babies in Bethlehem under the age of two. Between that, when he's two years old or so, and when he's 30, when he begins his ministry, this is the only account we have in the Bible. Now, if you would do an internet search, you could find some other stories about Jesus' early life. Interesting stories. Fascinating to read but they're not inspired. Some of them date all the way back to the second century, but all of them came about after the word of God had been said. After every book had been in here and that inspired word of God was completed. And so all of those stories, we can't know if they're true or not. But this one here, this one where he is 12 years old, we know is factually true. Because here it is. It's in the inspired scriptures for us. And so we know that the entire purpose of the Bible is to make us wise for salvation. We know that the purpose of God's word is to reveal God's love for us in the person of Jesus Christ and what he came to do for us. And so this account in the inspired scriptures must be the same. And so what is it? What does this account teach us? Well, I suppose we could have a sermon on how to be a 
parent and not lose your kid, how to keep better track of your children. I suppose we could have a sermon on, on how we should be like Jesus and be about in our Father's house and being his word and growing in our faith. But I think there's way much more here than that. This account teaches us something about who Jesus is. But also teaches us something about us and our relationship with him. Are you searching for Jesus? Are there times in your life when it feels like he's missing? He's not there. Are there times in life when it seems like there's so much needless anguish and pain that he is causing because he's not where he's supposed to be and he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing? Can you sympathize with Mary and Joseph a little bit? They were searching for Jesus. They were filled with anguish. They were filled with pain. And here, they say, Jesus, why are you treating us like this? Have you ever, has that question ever gone through your mind? Why are you treating me like this, Jesus? Well, let me ask you this. Has Jesus ever given you the impression that a life with him is a life without pain. Do you remember what Jesus says much later in his life? That in this world, as one of his disciples, you will have trouble? Do you remember when he says that when you believe in me, you will be persecuted for your faith? Do you remember the time when he, when he says that if you are going to be one of my disciples, you've got to be willing to give up absolutely everything else that would stand in the way of that? Maybe a relationship, money, or anything else in this life that would keep you from him. Can you remember anywhere that Jesus teaches that this life as a Christian will not be filled with pain, and suffering, and problems, and anguish, and sadness. Consider the pain that was in Mary's heart 21 years after this account. As she stood up below that cross and through her tear-soaked eyes stared at her son. Who could have, if you wanted to, come down from that cross? Consider the pain that Jesus could have avoided by just going back home before the trial, before the beatings, before the nails and the crown of thorns. In addition to that, ask yourself, has Jesus ever given you the impression anywhere that he doesn't know what he's doing? Uh, maybe you, you think about some accounts in his life. You think about in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he just willingly allows himself to be arrested 
and his disciples flee, and maybe, maybe they lost a little confidence in that moment and who he was and what was going on. His mother standing there at the foot of the cross, not fully understanding what was happening and why he's there dying. But yet three days later, three days after the suffering, three days after the crown of thorns, three days after the death, three days after more tears of his disciples that aren't even recorded on the pages of Scripture, three more days after more anguish and more pain and more sadness, just like three days after Mary found Jesus in the temple. Jesus appeared to his disciples in that locked room and he said, peace be with you. And he showed himself to be alive. You see, through his life, through his birth, through his adolescence, through his adulthood, through his ministry, through his suffering, through his pain, through his death, through the grave itself, Jesus has always known exactly what he was doing. And he still does today. Jesus responds to his parents. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? What it says here literally in the original language is, didn't you know that I had to be about the things of my father? And how true that is. That's why he came. That's why he was born into this world. That's why he took on human flesh. That's why he is both God and man at the same time, so that he could always be about the things of his Father, so that he could be completely dedicated to the Father's will. To be perfect in thought and word and deed for a 33-year life. So that he could offer that perfect life to God in exchange for your sin-tarnished life. Perfectly dedicated to the Father's will that someone had to die. Someone has to take the punishment. And Jesus says, let it be me. Perfectly dedicated to the Father's will all the way to hell itself for you. Perfectly dedicated through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, to his ascension back to the right hand of God for you and for your salvation. And that means he's also, because he's perfectly dedicated to the Father's will, is he's perfectly dedicated to you. Because the Father's will has always been about you and loving you and forgiving you and making you one of his children giving you the promise of heaven. Because this Jesus was so perfectly dedicated to the will of the Father, you know without a doubt he's perfectly dedicated to you always. The same dedicated Jesus, who when sometimes in life it seems like he's not there, promises you, no matter what it might feel like, surely I am with you always. 
to the very end of the age. The same dedicated Jesus, who our mustard-sized seed faith will, will complain to him and say, where were you, Jesus? You sure dropped the ball on that one, is the same dedicated Jesus who said that in this world you're going to have trouble, but in the same breath says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's the same dedicated Jesus who promises you that he doesn't leave you as orphans, but sends the Comforter, the promised Holy Spirit, to continue to come in word and in sacrament and to forgive you and love you and be with you in your anguish, in your pain, in your sadness, in your suffering. You don't need to search for Jesus. You know exactly where he is. Maybe sometimes it feels like he's not there, but he is. Uh, maybe sometimes it, it feels like he's not giving you the answers that you want to have, but he does know all the answers. A Savior, perfectly dedicated to saving you and being sure that you are his right now and into eternity. And if you doubt it, if you still doubt it, go back to yesterday peer down into that manger again and look at God in the flesh for you. Go back to that cross on Good Friday. Go back to that empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Come back to his word and sacrament over and over and over and you will understand exactly what he is doing. Loving you. Like no one else can perfectly, forever.